Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Monster Ate the Pilot podcast. I am your host, Brandon. It is Sunday night. We're going to go over five songs. We're going to go over the week that was. Uh, some fun stuff, some not so fun stuff, just some life in general goodness that's going on. We're going to, uh, I don't know, we're just going to do, we're going to do it together, man. We're going to do it together. Um, big shout out to Anchor for sponsoring this podcast. It's uh, thank you so much for doing that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to, but you did. Good for you. Um, if you do like what you hear, you can like, subscribe, share, support. I am available on Amazon, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. So if you know anybody who gets their podcast through those services, let them know about me. Spread the good word. Let's do this all together, man. I'm not going to work hard on this. You're going to have to do all the he- legwork for me, man. I'm, you know, I'm the face. I'm the superstar. <laughs> You're my minions, man. <laughs> uh, no, but I had a friend reach out, say they really enjoyed the podcast last uh, on this past Wednesday. Said he really liked that I talked shit about Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> so, cool. Maybe he said, you know, he'd love to come, maybe come on. I'd like to have him on. I like the guy. Good guy. Good guy, great guy, tall guy. His name Ronnie. Good dude. I haven't seen him in years. Um, I'm trying to think. I think the last time I saw him, me, him, and Jeff Mundo, my friend Bree, a couple of her friends went to a Blue Jackets game, I think. And I think that's the last time I saw him. That was like my first year in Columbus. That's like four years ago, four or five years ago now. Um, there's the fucking years ago. Jesus. I think uh, Ronnie's had a kid and got married since then. So congratulations to him on that. Like I said, tall guy, good guy. I like Ronnie. I'll talk shit about him. But I also do it to his face. So, you know, good guy. He'll take it. Oh. Other than that, man, it's just been decent week. Not too bad. I had a fucking migraine so fucking bad on Thursday. Knocked me out all day to about 7 o'clock. Which sucked because, you know, Wednesday was like kind of dreary and humid outside. So I didn't want to really do anything. So I cleaned up around the house. Got like bit of the way done. I'm like, okay, you know, I can finish up tomorrow. And, you know, I, I could do these couple things outside because it's supposed to be a better day. And I woke up and like, I could not get off the fucking couch. Could not do it. Like, I, I just... Ugh. I, I didn't want to open my eyes. My head was hurting so bad. Eventually, like I said, it kind of went away by about 7 o'clock. And I was like, cool, day's over. <laughs> so great. I got this, you know, it looked nice outside too. I'm like, cool, I get to spend like the decent day inside. Not doing anything. Not wasn't able to clean. wasn't able to do anything, man. The jury day felt good. That's that's just how my days off work. Oh man, a couple of uh, bad news bears. Boy, the fuck would I say that bad news bears? Come on, Brandon. Uh, had a couple of pa- people pass away this week. That kind of bums me out. Um, rest in peace, the Jimmy Con actor. I really like Jimmy. Tough guy. Great tough guy in all of his films. Great tough guy in The Godfather, obviously, which is my favorite film of all time. Played Sonny Corleone. He was in Misery. Um, he was in Mickey Blue Eyes. He was also the dad in Elf. Um, he also in uh, Bridge Too Far. I don't know. I really like Jimmy. We had some differing of views on politics, but, you know, whatever. At the same time. Played a perfect tough guy. I think he was. I think he was massive too. He's like six two, six three. He's a big guy. No, but he had a great presence about him. Um, I I fucking love The Godfather so much, and Sonny's one of the reasons. That's why it's. I prefer it to Son, uh, Godfather two. Part of it's Sonny, um, though he is in Godfather two at the very very end. Um, now the Godfather one, both the, the first two Godfathers. The Godfather three is much better with the whole uh, Michael, the death of Michael Corleone cut. It's much better than the original version because there's not as much, uh, as much as I really like Sofia Coppola. She is so bad in Godfather 3. She's so bad. Which she was kind of thrust into that role, so, you know, I don't know. Because Winona Ryder was supposed to be in it and she pulled out the last second. And, you know, Sofia Coppola had to jump in. and It's very rough in spots. And ultimately, like, the biggest issue is not even Sofia Coppola. It's the fact there's no Tom Hagen. Like... You take Robert Duvall out of anything, and it's not as good. Um, but yeah, like no Tom Hagen, like that 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 sucked. That that was like the worst part of the, for me. Um, 
you know what I love the Godfather films. I love um, how much you know, every time I watch it, there's something new I absolutely love about it. Whether it's Clemenza teaching Michael how to cook, um, it's like all the little subtext things, like Pauly talking about you know how much money's in the bridal purse at the beginning of the movie and the uh, at the at the wedding. And that whole thing is to set up the fact that Pauly is guilty later on in the film, which I didn't really realize that until I was like, you know, after I read the book, I get it. And then like watching him, like, oh, that's why that f- the scene is the way it is. It's kind of to show not that Pauly's is kind of like, like this uh, wedding is full of crooks or something like that. It's more about, you know, Pauly's kind of a, you know, a sleaze bag, and he's willing to betray the family. And he does, betrays the Godfather, he gets shot, all because Pauly called in, uh, quote-unquote, sick, um... Yeah, so that's, I don't know, I really love the 70s, like 60s, 70s movies that were like that, where they, they did a lot more showing than telling. You know, because a lot of movies now, there's so much exposition in things that uh, you can't really miss plot points <laughs> because they're telling you about them all the time. They're telling you exactly what's going on. There's always somebody explaining what's going on in the scene. Um, whereas like those 60s and 70s movies, they kind of relied on you to be smart enough to pick up what was going on. And sometimes it creates cool conversations about films because, you know, maybe you interpret something completely different than somebody else. Whereas, like, now you don't really have that. I'm not saying it's worse now or anything like that because there's a lot of great films that are still coming out now. And, like, even the big mainstream ones can be great. Um, but back then they were a little bit, like I said, they are just a little bit more relying on you to be smart enough to pick up what's going on. I don't know. Like I said, I, I fucking love The Godfather. Godfather 1 over Godfather 2, but the Godfather 2 storyline of Young Vito is the best part of the first two films. There we go. Mostly because Robert De Niro. Oh, Bobby De Niro, man. Love that guy. Good guy. Great guy. Tough guy. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, rest in peace, Jimmy Kahn. Condolences to his family. I, I, Like I said, I really like Jimmy. He seemed like a good dude. I like how I call him Jimmy. Like I fucking knew him. I don't know why I do that. I call, like, all celebrities by their, uh, you know, like I called Robert De Niro Bobby De Niro. If I saw fucking Robert De Niro and called him Bobby in real life, yeah, right. I'd say Mr. De Niro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you, are you sure, sir? Are you sure I'm allowed to look at you? I'd call Al Pacino Mr. Pacino. I'd call Edward James almost Eddie Jimmy. <laughs> Eddie Jimmy almost. <laughs> I doubt he wants to be called that. Now then, uh, other rest in peace to Tony Sirico, who, uh, was, uh, Paulie Walnuts in The Sopranos. I know he's probably in some other things, too. I know he played a great Bert and Ernie with, uh, was it Steve Sharipa? Is it Sharipa? I can't, I, fuck, I don't know. But yeah, they did a good job there, but, you know, like Paulie Walnuts. I've never actually watched The Sopranos, which, um, anybody who knows me knows how much I really enjoy mob things, films, um, just kind of... The, I don't the aesthetic might be the wrong word. I don't know. I have a whole bunch of books about like just the mob in general. I mean, I've got a fucking frame picture here of Frank Costello, the uh, mobster from the 50s, uh, smoking a cigarette over, I think, the Flatiron Building, if I'm thinking correctly. I actually got to look at it. It's in my living room. You know, obviously, The Godfather being my favorite films. I love Goodfellas. I, like, I actually am one of those people who might prefer Casino to Goodfellas. That's controversial. Uh, the Departed... I've even watched really shitty mobster films. Um, there's one with Christian Slater and McDreamy from like 90, I'm going to say 92 to 94 in that range called, uh, it's called Mobsters. And it's fucking garbage. I've watched it twice. That's how much I enjoy mobster things. It's awful, but I've watched it twice. Ah. <laughs> uh. Really, I don't know. That's what I wrote all my... I wrote senior sim papers on the mob. I've wrote a whole bunch of... I know a whole bunch of papers in college about the mob. I was working on a book of my own, like a novel. Based on the mob. And uh, I got like 30,000 words in. There's going to be this epic like three fucking book thing. And uh, yeah, I got 30,000 words and... Eventually faded from uh, the to-do list, I guess. I did enjoy writing. I do enjoy writing. I think my problem is I'm too self-critical, so I can't let, like, little mistakes, like, slide. I don't know. I'm just too critical of myself on that stuff. That I just don't think it's any good. I don't think I'm any good, though people do like it. I mean, I remember writing stuff in high school that was really enjoyed. Um, Like, skits and stuff like that. We had, like, a... uh, 
a speech writing class and we did this fake TV show, a fake news show, and all of my sketches were like actually done. I think we we're supposed to have like ten ideas. And most people got like three or four chosen. I had like all like eight or nine or ten. I th- I think all ten of mine were chosen or like we were gonna do eight because two of them were just I'm just like, ah, eh, it's too samey as like this other sketch or you know, hey, this one's going to be really hard to film or something like that. We filmed a lot of them. I don't think the footage exists, thank God, because I had to be a fucking rapper in one of them, which was, I did not want to be. I helped write this sketch about being a a rapper who did nothing but, like, child rhymes, child songs, child, you know, those ring around the rosy type things. That's what he did as a rapper. And I helped this girl do it because... um, she was having trouble doing it, so I came up with all these little cool ideas. And then we go to shoot, and she's like, oh, you're the rapper. I'm like, oh, no. And you know who lost? I did. I lost that one, so I had to be a rapper. So there is footage of there somewhere of me rapping nursery rhymes. And um, I'm not proud of that, but it exists. And if it if it ever gets out, there will be hell to pay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I said, rest in peace, Tony Sirico. Um, seemed like a funny guy. I need to watch The Sopranos. Why have I not watched The Sopranos? It's so stupid. So stupid of me. I, I think I have season one on DVD. I bought it like 10, 15 years ago. I still never watched it. Uh, and then the last rest in peace. Um, I don't know who the guy is. You know, never met him, never seen him. Don't know anything about him, really. I just know one thing about him, and uh, he, it's still kind of a significant thing. Um, his name's Bradford Freeman. He died at 97. He was a World War II veteran. He was the last surviving member of Easy Company 506, uh, 101st Airborne, which became famous in the Stephen E. Ambrose book, Band of Brothers, which I think was released in 92. And then the miniseries in 2001, also called Band of Brothers, which I think a lot of you have heard of to me. One of the greatest pieces of media ever created. The greatest miniseries ever made. I absolutely adore it. I love all those episodes. I haven't watched it in a long time. Mostly because I can't get past uh, The Breaking Point, which is episode 7. It's such a tough episode to watch. Because so many people you absolutely have grown to love. In those first six episodes, a lot of them either are killed or um, wounded. And stuff like that in that episode. It's very difficult to watch now. And to move on, and it kind of... You know, how hard it is to watch it, watch actors doing this. you got to think of the guys who actually had to go through that and then had to keep going the next day. And they did a really beautiful scene in uh, The Breaking Point with uh, Malarkey, um, played by the wonderful Scott Grimes. Um, he had, like, They talk about how he had, f- like, four best friends in the company. Uh, I think I think they say four. This is, like I said, I haven't watched forever. I think they're talking about how it's like, you know, Garnier... Wild Bill Garnier, played by the wonderful Frank John Hughes. Um, Buck Compton, played by Neil McDonough. I can't remember. Uh, Pinkala, played by Alex Matthews. And Skip Muck, played by Richard Spite. Uh, we're all his best friends. And like in two days, uh, Muck and Pinkala are killed by a, a mortar blast. Uh... Garnier gets his leg blown off, and Buck Compton like comes to like shell shock and like completely loses it, and like so all four of his friends are gone, like his best friends are gone, like in two days, from the company, and he's kind of you know has to continue being a soldier, can't just like you know move on, can't quit his job and just go find somewhere else and make new friends. Yeah, so like you know, and it's and there's like this whole like part with Malarkey where he takes like this big like deep breath. And says he's fine or something like that because, you know, that's kind of what he had to be because he has to function as a soldier. And um, I don't know, man. A lot of these World War II guys, you know, obviously time marches on and a lot of them are, there's not a lot of them left. And um, I don't know, they deserve all the credit in the world for taking down that piece of shit in Germany, man. With the help of those fucking commies over there in goddamn Russia land. (laughs) Fucking Stalin, that fucking piece of shit animal. Um, Nah. Sadly, though, I don't know, like, yeah, like, like, Easy Company did so much, like, shit, you know, obviously they drop behind enemy lines on D-Day, they take Braycourt Manor, which the assault orchestrated by Dick Winters is still taught in, like, at, like, 
um, in boot camps everywhere, like that, the how to assault like a fixed position. That's still taught to this day how he did that, which is really neat. Um, then they do like Operation Market Garden. They fought, you know, in Normandy for months. They go to Market Garden. They battle the Bulge, which is fucking wild. If you ever read about Battle of the Bulge, it's being surrounded. Then when they're liberated, they say, uh, you know, it's like, where you been? <laughs> I think that's what they said to Patton. Where you been? Or that's like, um, we didn't need, no, we didn't need rescuing. That's the crazy thing. It's like, oh, we rescued the 101st and the 101st. Like, we didn't need rescuing. We're fine. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, obviously they take the eagle's nest in Austria. And then they liberate some concentration camps. Which, Jesus, I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine walking in on a scene like that. <sighs> Sadly, that stuff still kind of exists out there somewhere. Somewhere in the world, there's sh stupid shit like that still happening. And now, my fucking state, fucking some person in Ohio wants uh, to introduce an education bill where we teach the German side of the fucking Holocaust. Get the fuck out of here with that. You fucking kidding me? Yeah, here, here's the other side of the Holocaust. Germans were fucking douchebags. The Nazi Germans were fucking pieces of shit. Hitler, Mengele, all of them. Go fuck themselves, man. Like, mm, it's, ugh, it pisses, it's bullshit. Here's how, here's how it really went, you know. They treated other humans less than animals. Like, they considered, like, Jewish people. They considered uh, the Romani people, the gypsies. They considered, like, homosexuals. They considered um, really anybody who wasn't them to be subhuman. So, don't sit there and say, well, there's some valid reason why they didn't. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. No goddamn reason. They're all... Mm, it's fucking horseshit. Like I said, like, if you... Go, go read what Joseph Mengele did to people. Go read, like, the, the testimonies of what he did to people in those camps. And I'm going to warn you, it's not very easy things to read. It is very grotesque. It is very difficult to stomach reading it. Now imagine seeing it or living through it. Actually, really, you know what? You didn't live through it. Because when he got his hands on you, he fucking killed you. He fucking loved, like, doing stupid shit, like, removing... Ugh, man, it's just, it's just fucking... Simon Whistler, if you've ever listened to Simon Whistler, he's got, like, 18 different channels on YouTube, and I think YouTube, uh, Spotify, all that fun stuff. He's got one called Biographics, and he does one on Mangala, and it's so fucking difficult to get through. He was a fucking animal. He was, he was subhuman. That's what he was. He was the one that was fucking subhuman, man. It's fucking stupid. That's the way you gotta teach the goddamn Holocaust. That these people were pieces of shit, and Americans kicked their fucking ass for a good goddamn reason. You know, the saddest part for guys like Bradford Freeman, who just passed away, and all those other guys who fought in World War II against the Germans, against that shit, and liberating those fucking camps, is that they had to live long enough to see it start to come back, the fucking Nazism. Are you fucking kidding me? That stuff's still around? Why are we not, like, ganging up on them and beating the shit out of them? That should bring the country together. That's the fucking enemy right there, the goddamn Nazis. Get the fuck out of here. Ugh. Pisses me off, man. Now I'm, like, really pissed off. That's... Ugh. Those guys... Mm. Those guys at 18, 19, storming goddamn beaches to liberate, you know, Western Europe from those animals. And it's just... Yeah. And these guys over here just trying to fucking sympathize with that shit. Like, oh, you know, history's got two sides of the story. Like, yeah, you know what? There is two sides to history and all that fun stuff. But ultimately, like... Hitler was goddamn evil, and it's very fucking simple to see. It's very simple. He was absolutely evil. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. <sighs> I don't know. I do need. Uh, I don't know. I, need, I, I, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna try and move on. I'm gonna try and move on because it's pissing me off. Yeah, like rest in peace, Bradford Freeman. Rest in peace, the Easy Company. Rest in peace to all those World War II veterans out there. Um. You know, thank you so much for, you know, stuff you did and helped get us to where we are today. I mean, you know, things aren't fucking perfect. Things are never going to be fucking perfect. But I think we're much better off without, a, you know, a goddamn uh, Nazi Europe going on. I think we're much better off. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, rest in peace to all the World War II veterans and rest in peace to all veterans. 
obviously that's an easy one. All those guys who had to sacrifice, especially the ones uh, in modern wars that, you know, being lied to for fucking money. You know, so, you know, this fucking fat cat in Washington can fill his fucking bank account up some more. That's the goddamn enemy, man. Uh, uh, losing it. Losing it. I need to, I just need to move the fuck on. We're here to disconnect. We're here to have some fun. We're here not to fucking think about that shit. Come on, Brandon. Focus up. <laughs> Jeez. Whew. It's just bullshit. Oh. <sighs> Let's just go into sports. How about we just talk about sports for a second? Let's let's kind of cleanse ourselves here. Jesus. Um, the crew won last night. Hell yeah. Um, Cucho Hernandez made his debut. Scored the game-winning goal. They were down 2-0 after like an hour. And uh, scored three goals down the stretch. Derek Etienne must have heard me criticize him for not having end product. He scored two goals. So hell yeah. Hopefully they're getting it going. Luis Diaz played on one of the assists. So hopefully they get going, and uh, Kucha scored a really good goal. Really good chip, really great finish. Beat the Chicago Fire. They need a goddamn stadium, the Fire do. Playing a fucking Soldier Field. Like, they need a, they need a stadium. <laughs> you know, they don't, like, there's just not enough interest still at in MLS for them to fill Soldier Field. Because, you know, I kind of want Soldier Field to still be there because, you know, it still has that old uh, stadium look. I really like kind of like the entrance to it still kind of has that old uh you know 40s 50s stadium feel now they're building a new one and i hope maybe the chicago fire could stay there and maybe mls picks up to the point where they can start filling soldier field i know they're still they're still years away from getting to that point i mean mls is probably 10 years away from like kind of competing if they're going to compete uh with kind of the better clubs in europe i mean they still got a long ways to go 10 years is probably being very 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 optimistic if they're going to compete with like uh probably like the lower big leagues, which like France, um, maybe the lower reaches of maybe maybe Italy. If you get really lucky, I doubt they can get to Italy. They might be able to get to France. France obviously just has one big juggernaut in PSG, ran by a state government, um, the Qataris. Um, so like yeah, I think they could reach the level of the French league in ten years. Um, take a lot of work take a lot of investment that's my worry with the crew being who they are i know they spent some money obviously to get cucho in 10 million Whew. but obviously they built the new stadium it's still twenty thousand stadium you know i mean anfield's like 50 55 so it's like half of anfield a little under half i don't know yeah but thank god man i'm i'm, I'm happy they haven't lost in a little bit i mean they're still not great to watch going forward, but they did get three goals. Hopefully Cucho fixes that. I can't wait for next week. Hell is real, man, Sunday. I'm off on Saturday, too. I never have Saturdays off, so I just might go into work instead. <laughs> I took it off because I thought the the game was Saturday, not Sunday. And um, I don't know, man. So I'm trying to think. Cause every job I've ever had, I've you know, worked since I was 20. I've worked restaurants, now I'm in retail. You got to work Saturdays to make money. You have to. So, you know, it's, it's very odd. I've given up a lot of uh, birthday parties, weddings, uh, just things in general because I have to work because that's when I get to make money because, you know, I've never worked for a real hourly ra wage. So it's weird. You're not working Saturday. i got to figure out what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll have some friends over. I don't know. I think I'm going to have them in a couple weeks. I get my new sofa and my new chair in a couple weeks. So fucking excited. I'm going to be so, so classy. So classy and cool. It's just, it's just out of this world, man. <laughs> oh, I know uh, Liverpool started their preseason training today. I can't remember whether. I think they're, I want to say they're in Singapore. I know they're in like kind of Southeast Asia. No, Thailand. They're in Thailand. Um, it's cool seeing Darwin Nunez training up with the boys. I saw kind of a depth chart for our team and man we're gonna be pretty fucking tough again this year especially if darwin hits the ground running if darwin's hitting the ground running we're gonna give fucking man city a run for the money again i know man city's buying you know they got holland i don't know i don't know i'm not sure how that's gonna work i think it might be good they went and bought calvin phillips so nobody else could get him because that's basically they don't need him so they just bought him so nobody else could get him which is always great for some player's career uh, whatever. It's easy when you have fucking oil money. Yeah, whatever. Now I got the new Stevie G book in the mail. Well, it's not new. It's a few years old. Uh, I've never read it. So Stevie G biography, autobiography. 
excited to read through that one. I know there's a lot about the slip against Chelsea, which it was tough to just get through the forward, which was all about that, let alone we'll have to read about that part, man. I fucking love Stevie. He was like one of the reasons I became a Liverpool fan. It was like 2010, I decided to get into soccer. Get, wait, that's what I called it then, the soccer, because it was like World Cup South Africa, right? Yeah, 2010 was South Africa. Yeah, it was South Africa. Um, yeah, because 2006 was Germany. Yeah, 2010 was South African um, World Cup. Um, I said, why don't I get into the English Premier League? And I was trying to decide which team I should be a fan of. I knew it wasn't going to be a Manchester United fan because they won fucking everything, and I'm not. I don't want to be a glory hunter. Same thing with Chelsea, um, which I didn't even know at that point. They were owned by like some Russian oligarch who uh, changed the way money was spent in the fucking transfer markets in the world um, and kind of changed the game, started changing it for the worse. I thought about becoming a Man City fan, but then that's when I realized they were owned by a state government. You know, they were owned by fucking the Saudis, not the Saudis. They were owned by the Emirates, the UAE, Dubai, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they basically, you know, they had more money than fucking anybody, except for the Saudis, who now own New Ch- Newcastle United, which, yay, just more money being thrown at shit and not, I don't know, they're trying to kill the goddamn game. It's great. It's wonderful, isn't it, man? Money ruining everything. Money changes everything, man. Nah, but I decided, you know, like, I was between Arsenal and I was between Liverpool. And uh, ultimately came down to Liverpool's politics. Really, kind of did. I became a fan in 2010. If you don't know anything about Liverpool, let's just say that was the worst time in history of the, the entire history of Liverpool. Those years, like 2009, 2010, 2011, were the worst years in Liverpool's like history. <laughs> you had owners who had no idea how to fucking do anything. We had Roy Futch, fucking Hodgson as the manager. Like, it was awful. We were bad. The first game I watched, it was a couple months after I said, I'm going to be a Liverpool fan. They have Steven Gerrard, they have Dirk Cout, they have Fernando Torres. Um... Pepe Reina. He had somebody else, too, I really liked at the time. Chabi Alonso. Oh, no, they didn't have, we didn't have Chabi by the time I... No. Who am I thinking of? Oh, fuck. I can't remember now. But I'm like, you know, Steven G. Stevie G was, like, the main reason, though. And the first game I watched, we lost at Anfield to Wolves. And that may not sound like a ba- big thing now, but ten years ago... Wolves were fucking horrible. They were a really bad club. I mean, they went, uh, it was like they didn't get relegated that year. The next year they got relegated. Then they got relegated again to League One. So they yeah, they were not in a good spot. And to lose at them at home, uh, Roy Hodgson's talking about relegation. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And, uh, yeah, then Hicks and Gillette got bought out by Fenway Sports Group, FSG. And they've had a few ups and downs, but yeah. Ultimately comes back to Stevie G, man. That's why I became a Liverpool fan. And through thick and thin, we have uh, built quite a squad. We have built quite a culture. We have built such a connection between the fan base and the players and the coaching staff. that it, It's just, I don't give a shit, man. I don't give a shit about winning anything. I'm just glad I'm here for it. I'm just glad we're here for it, man. Jurgen Klopp, all these guys, all these wonderful players, this wonderful club atmosphere we have. Like, I'm happy. Happy. I don't know. Ugh. What else, man? I don't know. Yeah, it's like I'm. I'm really excited for this season. I think we're gonna be really good again this year. I don't know if we'll chase a quadruple like we did last year, um, but I think we're gonna be really good. I I think we have a chance to really win the league. Now, Holland's got some injury issues, and also, I think losing Sterling and losing Gabriel Jesus is um, it's gonna hurt Man City more than I think they do. I don't, I've never really personally rated Jack Grealish, but, you know, he'll probably come good and score fucking a monster load of fucking goals this year because I said that, so good job. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's jump into the five songs of the week. Speaking of, I talked about Newcastle. This will be, like, one of the first times I've ever said a song that people might actually know what it is. Um, <laughs> um, I was listening to... Um, Another band that's going to be on this list. Um, and they have a version of this. Triple, is it Triple J's? Like a version. Um, it's out there on like, YouTube. You can find it on Spotify where all these like kind of indie bands or something like that do like, co- big time covers. I don't know. It's kind of cool, but this one band did one of this song by Sam Fender called 
uh, what is it called? 17 going under. And holy shit, man. Like, you know what? It's very rare when I see a song have like 100 million listens on Spotify or it got big on TikTok or whatever the fuck that means. Um, and it actually be a good song. And actually, he's like, that's actually deserving to be a really good, really big song. Um, especially, like, I don't know. It, like, it's a it's a great track. I love the, like, horns in the middle of it. I think vocally it's pretty cool. I really like the songwriting that Sam does on it. So, um, congratulations to him. It's a fucking massive hit. Um, kind of about him kind of uh, reflecting on when he was 17 and kind of how life has gone since. And, um got some really good lines in there you know like because luck came and died around here talk about his mother talking about like kind of the expectations of like being a young man and stuff like that and the bullshit like the guys like the locker room talk and shit like that and like i don't know it's, it, i think it's a really good song and congratulations to him like i said it's fucking massive um, i'm probably like a year and a half behind on it but whatever fuck it's not like i give a shit about that um so good for him um i have a massive hit like that i think he's like 28 so, he's got a great Geordie accent, those fucking dudes. Those tough guys up there in the northeast of uh, England. <laughs> right? I think, yeah, they're northeast. Um, yeah, so good for him. 17 Going Under by Sam Fender, one of the songs of the week. And I heard that song for the first time by the next band, which I just got their new record, which is called Running Like... Is it called Running Like a Hurricane? Let me double check that. I should do all of this before I start and not have to fucking look it up. Let's see. Yeah, Spotify on the fucking computer is absolute garbage. Like, it's a joke. Like, you know, and the thing is, you can't, like, download it on your computer. Because if you just do, like, the app on your computer, it slows your computer down to, like, a fucking standstill. Like, it's a joke. Like, I don't know what they're fucking doing there, but it's ridiculous. It is. Running with the Hurricane by Camp Cope. These Aussie girls... Like, this power trio of women from Melbourne, Australia. Um, very simplistic, you know, just guitar, bass, uh, drums, sometimes keyboard. They've got, uh, the lead singer's name is Georgia. She's got a wonderful voice, very powerful voice. A lot of range in it. Like, it, it, it's really good. I picked the, the title track off the record, Running With The Hurricane, um, delving into them. They're playing... Uh, Ace of Cups up here in Columbus in a couple weeks. I plan to go see them. See them on like a Saturday. Uh, Fucked Up's going to be there that Wednesday. I'm really excited to see that. That's the David Comes to Life 10-year um, tour. 10 years since David Comes to Life, which was a great record by Fucked Up. Band out of Toronto. Um, so I'm excited to see them. Then see Camp Cope in a few days after that. And then John Moreland is playing Cleveland on a Thursday in Cincinnati on a Friday, I'm thinking about doing both. I think that would be fucking rad, man. I don't know. I don't know. But no, at Camp Cope, like I said, they they have a cool version of 17 Going Under, and they also have another cool version of Maps by the AIS out there. Um, it said Running with a Hurricane. It said very simple. Like They call themselves Power Emo. <laughs> <laughs> I love all these little cool genres that are coming up now. But yeah, Camp Cope, really cool. Uh, like I said, three talented girls. I really like their drummer. they are got a little cool bass lines in all their songs. Uh, and like I said, George has got a really wonderful voice. She really can fucking belt it, man. Uh, next song, speaking of John Moreland, is John Moreland. Off his 2013 record, In the Throws called Blacklist and that is one of my favorite songs of all time I don't know it hit me the other day just listening to it I don't know it went like, I'm gonna listen to some John Moreland today and that's like usually one of my first songs I go to is Blacklist I can play that little baby on the guitar it's got so many it's just like anything off Into Throws and Tulsa County Stars um, there's so many just wait a second it's not Tulsa County Stars what is that fucking record called by John Moreland High on Tulsa Heat. What am I thinking of, Brandon? Come on. Amateur. Yeah, but no, there's so many of those. Just full of lines. Just full of these wonderful lines by John. And, like, Blacklist is just one after another. From start to finish, every line is great. He's got 
that voice. He's got the presence. Like, if you've never got to see John Morland live, I, that's one of the things I, I suggest is to go see him. There's such a presence when he walks out on stage with that fucking guitar, sits down, and just blows you the fuck away. Um, let's see. And it's one of those songs you just, you know, like the shit I've been through, I put myself through. You know, I identify with. It's one of the songs that helped me rebuild myself. And also just kind of gave me a better outlook on things with the last few lines of it, you know. You know, maybe I don't have it in me. And maybe it doesn't have me in it. And if I don't fly, that's fine. Just let me find the place where I fit. And, you know, I, I definitely get that. I get that hard. I get that deeply. Because um, ultimately, man, that's all I want. That's all we all kind of want is just... Find a place where we fit in. Find a place where we can grow. Find a place where we can just kind of be ourselves again. And because it's, you know... Because the lines of few that, you know, it's like... Uh, the older I get, the truth gets harder to find. And, you know, if you've grown up like me, you definitely get that. Because the older you get, man, nothing gets easier. It just... It gets more confusing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully... Hopefully we'll figure it out. Do we ever figure it out? Is that like a thing, though? Is it, do we ever actually figure it out? Or do we just hope we do? Uh, or just do we just kind of keep going, searching for answers, and then we eventually fade away? It sounds depressing. But I think it's more hopeful. than I think I want that to be a little bit more hopeful than it sounded. Um, or should we ever stop trying to find answers? I don't know, man. These are, these are the things that pop into my head at 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes. I don't know. I fucking love John. I really might. I, I I keep saying I might. I might take Thursday, Friday off that from work that week and go up to Cleveland on the 28th and watch him. I think he's at the Beachland. I haven't been to Cleveland forever. Um, and then that next day he's in Cincinnati and he's playing Fountain Square. So should I, that's what I should do. That's what I should do. Go up Cleveland on Thursday, drive down to Cincinnati on Friday. Watching both places, head back up to Columbus for Saturday. I think it'd be a grand old time, Brandon. I believe, I believe, I'd really enjoy that. <laughs> I, I want, I should do that. I think that's what I should do. But I probably won't. That's four shows this month, man. I haven't been to a show in a little bit. When was my last show? Drive-by? Truckers? No, it was the Hold Steady in Toronto. Do it. Ah. Great shows those were. Them and PQ, PQ, PQ and Bike Thieves. That was a great show. Old Steady's great. John Moreland's great. Everybody's great. All the time. Um, Where are we? Oh. Song number four of the week is one of my favorite songs of all time. I did like this. I do this random thing on Spotify sometimes where I decide I'm going to go. I just get my like songs and I just scroll like deep down the list. Like years, like songs I added like years ago or something like that or something. So just see what else is out there, you know, sometimes because you sometimes get fixated on the songs you're listening to right now. And just, I don't know. So sometimes I just scroll, click, and just go or do, do shuffle. But I did this and scroll me to Titus Andronicus, this great band from New Jersey. And it took me right to the monitor, which, in my opinion, my very humble and very correct opinion, is the best album of this millennium so far. The monitor came out in 2010, 2011. Uh, it's all this allegory of growing up in New Jersey with the Civil War. It's a very, it's a cool album. It's a very cool concept. It's a very well executed album. It's a big wall of sound. It's got punk energy. It's got Springsteen energy. It's this got It's got so much energy, man. And there's a song, there's a bridge in that record. There's uh, A Pot in Which to Piss and Four Score and Seven. Four Score and Seven might be the greatest song. It's it's one of my favorite songs ever. It's up there with almost anything I can think of from anybody who's ever made music. Like, I absolutely adore this song. Um, it's kind of two songs in one. You got Four Score, which is like the first, like, two and a half minutes and then you have like a nice little interlude and then it explodes into seven and uh it just fucking goes and goes and goes and it's it's hard it's passionate it's 
Um, with some other good words to describe the song, man. It's just, it's just blitzing you. Um, it's, it's just, tr it's truth, man. That's what it is. That's what the music is, man. It's the truth. <laughs> oh, is that? You know, it's like it starts off really slow, and it just kind of builds and builds and builds, and like I said, it hits that like nice little uh, harmonica across like the first kind of bridge or the interlude into N7, then N7 kind of bursts into the same drums and guitars start picking up, and then Patrick Stickles, the lead singer, just comes in like a fucking hurricane, like a mush like just a runaway. I don't even know, only like a cannonball and on a fucking Civil War like, battlefield, just fucking wreaking havoc, he comes in hard on N7, and they just non-stop straight forward toward the end, and, like, that's, it's a seven, like eight-minute song, and, like, it's just pure passion, it's pure ecstasy, it's just pure, like, um, what's the right word, you're just kind of, it's, you're expelling all this energy out of yourself, all this, I don't even know, not so much, it's not expelling negative, it's just, you're ex you're giving yourself to the song, man. And it's it's wonderful. It's such a great song, you know. I wasn't born to die like a dog. I was born to die just like a man. It's still us against them. And like I said, then you have like a whole minute of him just screaming. It's us against them. Like over and over. Where you have like the guitar kind of the melody just kind of carrying it through. And then and they're winning. And then, oh, than the big fucking ending. Oh, it's such a great song. I said it's one of my favorite songs ever made, not just by the Tyus Andronicus or just of the last decade or this millennium. It's all time. It's top fiver for me. I love Four Score and Seven by Titus Andronicus. And to me, it's the masterpiece of that record. It's a masterpiece of a masterpiece of a record full of masterpieces. How about that? Because A More Perfect Union is a beautiful song. Um, it's a great, great fucking opening track. Um... Titus Andronicus Forever, then dot, 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 and ever, the Battle of Hampton Roads, A Pot in Which to Piss, um, what is it, Old Friends and New, like, it's just, every song is so wonderful in that record, it's just perfect, and like I said, it's such a great concept record of, you know, growing up and the Civil War kind of intertwining, uh, there's a lot of speeches on the record from, you know, like, Abraham Lincoln speeches, a couple other famous figure speeches, uh, Craig Finn's on this record somewhere. I've never picked it up whether he's one of the speech guys, one of the guys who are reading the speeches, or what he is. But I know he's on the record somewhere. And, I don't know. I, I fucking love The Monitor so much. It's one of those records I just love to put on from time to time, and I'll just listen to it like three or four times in a row. Because it's so perfect. And like I said, that the Four Score and Seven is the best song on that record. By a lot. But I think every other song on that record is nearly goddamn perfect. So that's how much I love Four Score and Seven. Yeah. Huh. I had a chance to see them play this whole record like December, January. I don't know. I don't know. I still have some, uh, whatchamacallit, sobriety, anxiety when I, about shows. I know, like, I wanted to see Idols live um, back in, like, October. I had tickets, and it was, like, the day of, and I just... I started getting really bad sobriety anxiety, like, because it was going to be, like, my first show, and uh, a friend of mine was going to go, and then he seemed like he wasn't going to go, so I decided, like, well, if he's not going to be there, I'd be going by myself. My first show post-sobriety, like, eh, it's going to be, that'd be really tough. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through it, so I decided just not to go to the Idol show. Um, I went to... Drive by truckers a couple days later, but I went with Jake, so I had somebody there to kind of keep me calm, even though I was just so desperate to see the drive by truckers that there was no chance I was not going to see them, and there was nothing going to stop me. <laughs> and then I went to Rustin Kelly a couple weeks late after that and watched the show by myself, which at the same time, Rustin Kelly's also a sober guy who's went through some shit. That's what his whole record is about. It's a great fucking record, Shape and Destroy. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe I had, like, that cool kindred spirit thing with him where I didn't feel the pressure to have to get a drink or anything like that, which I did have some little bit of anxiety about it, but I didn't, you know. But whereas, like, you know, Titus Andronicus is a big, loud punk band. 
There's probably going to be a lot of really drunk guys there, just drunk and just really into the music. So, I don't know. So, when it came time for the Titus Andronicus show, I just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it again. You know, still working on it. Like I said, you're always working on something, man. Always got to figure it out. There's always something coming up. Um... What am I doing? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, like I said, I hope that eventually kind of fades and it becomes less of a thing. Maybe it is now to me. Like I said, you know, it's day 683 of sobriety, which congratulations to me. So, like, I don't know. Um, maybe after I get after two years, that anxiety about it will go away. Or maybe it never goes away. I really hope it goes away at some point because I don't want to miss shows. I don't want to miss things I really want to do because I start getting anxious about something I feel like I'm really in control of. Um, I don't know, cause I, it, cause now, cause like I said, now I, I don't like hate myself. I, I kind of beat myself up that I didn't go see Titus Andronicus play the Monitor, you know. I didn't like they're literally that's all they were playing was just that record, and that's my favorite record, and not my third favorite record. I'd always said third after Born to Run and uh, Sticky Fingers. Um, that I was like. One of your favorite bands is playing your your favorite record by them, and it's one of your favorite records of all time, and you can't get yourself to go do it? What? Why? Come on. Come on. And it's, I don't know, you kind of drag your self-esteem down, or just drag, drags your self-belief down a little bit. Like I said, it's always work, man. It's always work. So hopefully that fades. Hopefully I don't get that in a couple of weeks when Fucked Up is about to play, because I really want to go see David Comes to Life. Um, maybe I can drag somebody along with me. It's like a Wednesday. I'm trying to see if uh, a couple a couple of the dudes want to go see Camp Cope, though. It's a Saturday. Should be a good show, man. Good show. And then I'm going to go see Moreland. I gotta, if I don't go both dates, I'm going to have to pick one. I'll probably go to the Cleveland one because I'm usually off on Thursdays anyway. So drive up to Cleveland, drive back. Fun times. I don't know. I haven't been to Cleveland in a long time. Long time, man. I don't think since uh, me and JR went up there for Lucero and Dropkick Murphys. Which I don't know if I've t talked about that on here before. Um, if you ever see JR, ask him how many times he's went to see the Dropkick Murphys and how many times he's actually seen them because the numbers do not match because he's actually been to a Dropkick Murphys show but he's never seen the Dropkick Murphys. So, uh, <laughs> yep, he puked the entire next day if you get uh, the meaning of what's going on in that story. He got really drunk. That's basically what happened. Also, I missed my chance with a, a, a wonderful girl um, called Lucero Girl most because I don't remember her name. I couldn't remember her name that night either because I was too drunk. Basically what happened... Okay, I, you know what? Don't allude to it. Let's just fucking tell the story. So basically, me and JR leave... Uh, we go to see Cleveland to see Dropkick Murphys and Lucero. Um, we'd both seen Lucero the year before. He's never seen Dropkick Murphys. I had. So I'm like, okay, cool. It'd be a cool little double bill to go to and get out of the town for a couple of days. It was like February, I think. Maybe it was early March. No, I think it was February. But we leave Portsmouth. It's 50 degrees. We leave Columbus. It's like icing. We're driving up to Columbus or, since, or Cleveland and it's snowing. Like just fucking pouring snow between Columbus and like Cleveland to the point where we can't see we're riding down the highway with our heads out the window because we can't fucking see nothing. We, I'm like I think you're on the road and so we stop at a hotel next day we get back on the road. It snowed eight fucking inches. It was still like 60 degrees in Portsmouth. That's Ohio man. Like that's, that's Ohio to a fucking T. Like Cleveland's got eight inches of snow. Portsmouth got sixty degree weather. Um, so we go. At one point, we get on an off ramp. We spin out. Uh, we get stuck in traffic because of wrecks. Um, I say this wonderful thing, which I'm not proud of, but I fucking said it. Uh, we're stuck in traffic, and I look at Jr. and say, "These mfers better have died." Yeah, <laughs> like a real asshole. Um, that's what I say. That's going to be important later, though. Oh, why? Because I, I could leave that part out, but it's important later on in the story. So we get up to Cleveland, and like I said, going through the snow, going through the ice, going through having to stay in a hotel, spinning out, all that fun stuff, all the wrecks we, like all the cars off the side of the road we had to see, we decide to go fucking hard in Cleveland. <laughs> like as soon as we got there, bars, 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 bars. Uh, we got free shots at this Irish pub. Uh, we got just drank and drank and drank. And we get to the show, and we're already pretty blitzed, and we just continue to get more. 
But there's this girl in front of us with these two guys right beside him. I thought they were together, not thinking of anything of it. We're just talking. And then um, at one point she turns around and she asks, I think she asked JR, like, if we if we were big Lucero fans. And, uh, you know, JR was like, you know, I really like Lucero, but Brandon is like, a, you know, it's one of his favorite bands. So me and her start talking. We hit it off. It's wonderful. She's really pretty. I don't remember her name. I couldn't remember it that night either. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, we're just hitting it off and um, having a good time. And I tell the whole story, basically kind of what I told you. Obviously, I'm kind of, I'm rushing through the story a little bit. And I get to the part where I say that, you know, hopefully these people died. And, or these people better have died. And she just laughs. She laughs her ass off. Like, legitimately, LMAO, man. And she was like, I'm so glad you have a sense of humor about stuff like that. And I was like, cool. So, like, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park. Knocking it out of the park with this girl. And uh, JR goes and buys us some drinks. He's like, oh, I'm going to get another beer. So he brings us back one, brings her back one. She thinks I bought it for her, which I obviously then take credit for. I'm like, yeah, I totally bought that for you. Did not. JR did that for me. <laughs> um, and we're just talking and stuff like that. Show starts. We're having a good time. And um, at one point, these other girls come up from behind us and say, hey, can we get in front of you? We want to get close to the stage. We're just here to see Lucero. We're not here to see Draft Murphy's. I'm like, I don't care. Go up there. And they take Lucero Girl with them. And it's like, oh, sad, 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 sad day. Sad day. And, uh, you know, she goes disappears into the crowd. At the same time, I'm jerking off where it's like, not a big deal. Whatever. It was cool to get to know her uh, a little bit. I can't remember. She was from, like, uh, she was from the lake. She started with a C. Every time I tell this story to somebody, they always want to say Coshocton. I don't think Coshocton's up on the lake. And it wasn't Coshocton because I know what Coshocton fucking is. Um, I think it was like west of Cleveland somewhere, like a couple hours. Um, but a certain part, I remember the song. I remember so much about this because it cracks me up to this day and makes me so sad. The Lucero is playing the song called The Devil of Maggie Chascarillo. Um... I always feel like I say the last name wrong. I think I did. Um, it's a boogie song. Like, you know, it's kind of a rock and roll boogie kind of upbeat song. And all of a sudden, out of the crowd in front of us comes Lucero Girl. And she's got eyes on me, man. She's got her eyes fixed on me, bro. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. How about you? Um, and she comes over. She kind of pulls me off to the side a little bit by my wrist. You know, that intimate grab you by the wrist, like I got to tell you something type of talk. She looks at me, and I, sh I remember she had, like, dark eyes. At least she had dark eyes because it was, like, dark in the fucking bar or the, the club or whatever you want to call it, the, the venue. She had these dark eyes, and she just says, we've got to dance. And I, I shit you not, guys. I shit you not. As God is my witness, let me tell you. Let me tell you this. I look this this beautiful girl. Beautiful girl who's been vibing me all night. I look her dead in the eyes, and this is what I say. I don't dance. Then I went back to watching the show. And that that that's it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I just like I don't dance. And I just went back to watching the show. Like, you know, I've been like smooth all night. So I don't say something like, oh, well, you know, if you see me dance, you'd understand. You know, to be funny. Or I say, hey, how about when they play a slow one, then we can dance. You know? Nah, I just say, I don't dance. What the fuck is that? And I go back to watching the show. She just goes, oh, okay. And she just kind of wanders off back into the fucking crowd. Never to be seen again. It took me like five minutes. And I'm like, wait a second. I could have fucking danced. And too late, man. You got to shoot your shots. You missed 100% of the shots you don't take or whatever, you know. Ah, the one that got away, man. Lucero girl. Every once in a while, J.R. texts me and just says, Lucero girl, and it just puts me in a mood. <laughs> I don't dance. What the fuck, Brandon? Come on. <laughs> Jeez, it's going to bother me all night now. Uh, Lucero girl, man, wherever she is, hopefully she's happy. Hopefully she's, you know, wh whoever she ended up with, she's happy. If she's not with anybody, look me up. I'm in Columbus now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this half will work. Just start putting the word out. Lucero, girl at Lucero Dropkick Murphy show in like 2012. The guy who told you, uh, 
he can't dance. He doesn't dance. Really would like to make that up to you. <laughs> I don't dance. God, come on, Brandon. <sighs> I don't know. I don't dance. I don't dance. I don't. I really don't dance. But like I said, I could. I just could have just said, hey, you know, how about we wait till there's a slow one? Then we can dance. That would have been smooth. But at the same time, I was so drunk at that point. She, it, 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 It's probably best for her that nothing went further than that because she would have seen me on a complete fucking wreck by the time I got back to the hotel room. I don't remember getting back to the hotel room. I remember meeting Ben Nichols in the like lobby of the venue, waiting, interrupting him, talking to somebody, and saying, oh, I'm sorry. I told him about how the year before like you know, we met, you know, like one of the best moments of my life. And he's like, I don't think that's true. You know, me beating him is like one of the best moments of his life. I'm like, it is true. And that's sad. And I walked away from him. <laughs> and I wandered off into the night. And like I said, I remember, you know, relieving myself in an alley. And then I remember walking into the hotel room. There's a big like 10 minute gap of I don't know what. Or at least I think 10 minute gap. Somebody got the greatest elevator ride of their life. I mean, just being super drunk. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was rough. Rough, rough the next day. Drank some orange juice, drank some tomato juice, and had to drive five back hours back to Portsmouth. I don't dance. What the fuck? Come on. God. Don't really bother me. I don't know. If I could turn back time. Oh. <laughs> uh. Ah, Diet Dr. Pepper, not the sponsor, but it's burning my throat. <laughs> oh, shit, we're going to hit a whole hour tonight. Jesus. Oh, let's get into song number five. Once again, it's the Hold Steady. I mentioned this song the other day uh, when talking about Tad Cubbler on the guitar. I always want to say Cubbler. I'm 90, like 90% 90 sure that's how you say his last name. Um, I love Tad as a guitar player. I know I talked about it the other day, but I just want to reiterate how much I fucking love Tad Kubler on the guitar. Um, such a great guitar player. And this is one of the songs I mentioned, Lord I'm Discouraged. Uh, Lord I'm Discouraged. It's off, it's off Stay Positive, 2008 Stay Positive. Uh, one of the most personal songs that Craig has ever written. I think even Tad talked about it on like an interview or a podcast or something like that where he talked about, you know, like how personal are the songs? Because, you know, obviously he's telling like this big, myth, like not like a mytholo mythological story. There's a lot of like Christianity allegories, like Holly is obviously Jesus and all this other shit. Um, so they talk about like how personal some of these songs are. And Tad singled this song out. He's like, this is a song that whenever Craig brought it in, he said, this one, this one was different. Like this one was like, this one's about you. Like, you know. And, like, I think it's one of the most beautiful songs. I love the, it's just got a sweet little kind of guitar. It's a very, um, it's a very emotional song. Um, it takes, like, it, the, um, the song is through the eyes of a guy in love with a girl who's not in love with him. And her life is not trending in the right ways. Like, she's made some not great friends. She's a real, real sweet girl who's made some not sweet friends. Shall we say? Shall we say? Shall we say? Um, it's, you know, she's getting into a couple of illicit activities. You know, the guy stops by and he only stays about 20, you know, stays five minutes at a time dropping off the pills and powder. Pills and powders, babies and powders and pills. Other hold steady references. Um, <laughs> and like I said, it's it's one of those like you know, and he's not sure how to do it because like obviously he just wants what's best for her, and she does. It's not so much she doesn't give him the time of day; she just doesn't see him that way at all. And like, there's no way he can really help her, and he just wants her to help herself. And I think we all know people like that. We don't have to actually be in love with them or anything like that, or like quite those type of feelings but I think we all know those people we truly really care about who we know are just kind of trending the wrong ways and you just want so much for them to get themselves better or to see the value that they have and offer to other people not just yourself but to other people around them especially like you know obviously being from where I'm from Portsmouth where it's just it's rampant with a lot of people there's so many 
lives down there ruined or just kind of fading in the wrong ways because people just can't see their value and I don't know, I'm just kind of that person who sees everybody's value and stuff. And Lord I'm Discouraged is one of the great songs ever written. That big fucking guitar solo in the middle. Um, I love when it comes out of the guitar solo. Lord I'm sorry to question your wisdom, but my faith's been wavering. Um, let me show me show me a sign, let me know that you're listening, you know. And it, you know, it's like the girl's covered in bruises, girls kind of uh got yeah, she's excuses and half truths, and God, it's such a beautiful song. I absolutely love "Lord on Discouraged." It's one of my favorite Hold Steady songs. It's my favorite Tad guitar work. It's um, I love when he plays it live. I love I I just love Tad. I just love the band, and then it ends with a very very I think kind of poignant kind of lyric, which is uh, I know it's unlikely she'll ever be mine, so I mostly just pray she don't die, and I get that. I get that, you know, because ultimately it's, he doesn't, it's not so much his feelings don't matter, it's mostly that she just gets better, and, or she, he, however you view the song, like, for me it'd be a she, um, that she just gets better in the end, and sees, like I said, like, sees her value, sees all she can offer, all she can kind of move forward with, and kind of gets better, and stays positive, hey, I plug myself there, which then again, I just ripped those off from Frank Turner and Hold Steady, <laughs> Oh man, but no, like God, that's what I want for everybody. Like I, I just know so many people like that, who just they just need somebody to believe in them. And like this song's a little bit about you know maybe she feels like nobody believes in her, but and she just can't see that he's right there and he believes in her and he wants her to get better, and he wishes she could see that that he's in her he's on her side, but nobody else is. Um, I know in the live version on a positive rage, Craig says, um, I'm not even, sh- I'm not sure if she's even alive. So I mostly pray she don't die. And I said, I think that kind of adds that layer of like, this is a very personal song for Craig. And, um, I think at the very beginning, it's like this, this song's, uh, I think it's like, this song's kind of sad and it's also kind of sweet and it's also true. Which, like I said, like like his songs have elements of truth and elements of like pulling stuff out of his real life, and obviously like a lot of people who write. But this song, like I said, is different. It's definitely one that is a little bit more true to his life, and I think he's even talked about how that song is one that's very, very personal to him because he he was the guy in the song for somebody out there, and whoever that was, hopefully they end up getting better and they're alive and living well, and um. Hopefully that's for anybody. Like I said, if this, if that's, if what I was just talking about applies to somebody in your life, hopefully you can maybe get them to get to that point, or maybe, hopefully whoever you're thinking of gets better and figures their stuff out and lives the life they really want to that they envisioned when they were just kids running around um, playgrounds and stuff like that. I don't know. I've been kind of rambling on again tonight. It's been the longest episode fucking ever. Congratulations if you made through it. <laughs> Uh, I was going to talk about Lord of the Rings because I've been watching Lord of the Rings this week, but nah, how much I got to say about Lord of the Rings? This is, I'll be two hours in, like so. I'll save that for Wednesday when I get back. Um, yeah, so this has been Monster Eight the Pilot. This is Sunday night episode. Uh, what is it, July tenth? Yes. Um, if you've enjoyed it, thank you so much. Reach out if you need anything whatsoever. If you've enjoyed the episodes, let me know. Share it with your friends. Google. Amazon, Apple, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and Anchor. And once again, thank you to Anchor for sponsoring the episode. Um, Yeah, I'll be back on Wednesday with the Spring Stain Song of the Week. That's my new way to say it, and it's going to change on Wednesday. (laughs) Um, And I'll be back with other things. Maybe maybe I'll talk about Lord of the Rings, because I watched Fellowship twice this week. And then I'm going to watch The Two Towers twice this week. I'm watching them twice for some reason because it's a new way to watch them. And jeez, they're so fucking good. Like, like right now I'm picked up. I'm, I don't know. Right now I'm really aware of music and film, like the soundtracks and stuff like that. So I've been hyper aware of that. When I watched, uh, like, Top Gun, I was really, for some reason, picking up on the soundtrack. And, like, when I just watched Lord of the Rings the other night, I was really picking up on the soundtrack. It's weird that I'm, like, that's what I'm really picking out in films. Whatever. I'll go into that 
Wednesday. Get out of here, Brandon. Come on. Um, yeah, like I said, we've been like an hour and five minutes. People have lives to live, man. Um, yeah, if you've enjoyed it, thank you so much. I know I kind of, uh, I did the controversial thing of saying I don't like Nazi people tonight. So uh, if that hurts your feelings, I don't give a fuck. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for understanding. If you've enjoyed it, share it, like it, subscribe, sh- uh, sponsor, whatever you want to do. Um, if you have your own company and want me to talk about it on the podcast, let's do it. If you want to join me on the podcast, let me know. We'll get a time scheduled uh, some point in the future when my sister can get off her lazy ass and get up here and get on this freaking podcast. Or maybe I can just do it. Maybe I can invite her through the studio. I don't know. I'm rambling again, man. I'm rambling again. Uh, Yeah, like I said, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your night. I'll see you Wednesday. Um, Yeah, see you next time. Thank you so much. Have a great night.